know. Like, you prepare the show notes. I read them when we record. Sorry. Idiots. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Not like before when you said something broken and the volume was down. I can still cut this out. You won't cut it out because you're too lazy to cut that. Yeah, I am. I must say, I'm very impressed by the studio. It's a good studio, isn't it? I can't lose room to sleep in real time. Yeah, well, the good thing is a lot of people come to this studio and they think mm. it's a bedroom. <laughs> but then I tell them it's a studio, and you know what they say? What? No, it's just a bedroom. No, no, you say it's a studio that has a bed. Hey, so Lawrence Friedman's been in the studio. I heard about that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well done. Um, he was excellent, actually. Was he really? Yes. <laughs> just a top bloke, mate. Did he ask? Who are you talking about with the dead Prussian? You had explained it to him. No, I'm pretty sure he knew. <laughs> he got it. Oh, but he, um, he got the joke. He laughed at my jokes. <gasps> it's a first. But, well, I'm not convinced he was only laughing at my jokes. I think he was laughing at my attempt to make a joke. Or uh, maybe he was just laughing at the whole situation. I think he might be laughing at a lot of this. He was just like, ha, 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 rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like I, I even said to him, um, you know, thanks for that point on nuclear strategy because... I passed my exams and you gave the lecture. And he just goes, oh, congratulations. Like, like I'm not the guy he was hoping would pass. <laughs> All right, should we start the show? Oh, classic. Good on you, Loz. Thanks for listening. Um, okay. So, hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. WFI. WFI. I am your host, Rich the ding dong. No, you have, you have written dong dong. I've typed dong dong. It's meant to say ding dong. I'm pretty sure a dong dong is different than a ding dong. <laughs> and this is a PG rated show. And I am Mick the Lame Brain. And we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And today, we are talking about the Vietnam War. Or the way you've spelt it, the Vietnam War. <laughs> you can help with these notes. I, you can 100% I, help I with I can these help with those notes. I guarantee you, I never will. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, so, who are we? Well, we are the pen and teller of war. I think I've Ooh, used that one before. Excellent. Have we used that one before? I think we used it for Roid. Yeah, but whenever you use pen and teller, cool. Pen and teller, except if ponytails and middle age is cool. Well, I think they're past middle age. Teller doesn't speak, so that's mm-hmm. neither one of us. They're past middle age now. Oh. It's not 1993. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, but their shows from 1993 will that, not stop playing. That's very true. That's very true. Okay. Um, I'm the funny one. So, what are we doing here today? We're going to talk about Vietnam War. Uh, we're going to be talking about, as per normal, war at an accessible level. We don't want to be discounting the significance of war, making it more. Or just providing a discount on war, because you've got to pay a steep price. <laughs> making it more approachable, thank you. And today, we are going to be talking about Vietnam. Now, we're going to start with a quote, one that is relevant to the topic that we're talking today. Do you want to take it away, Mick? Yeah, although... I see who the quote's by, and yep. I'm just I'm just going to say I'm not a fan of Tricky Dick. No event in American history is more misunderstood than the Vietnam War. It was misreported then, and it is misremembered now. Richard M. Nixon. So that quote, um, we're breaking the mould of idiot quotes because there is only so many of those on the internet. Um, and we've got a quote that's going to talk about what we're talking about today, and that is the Vietnam War. And in particular... Um, what are some of the common misunderstandings or mythologies that are out there about the Vietnam War? Still trying to look at the screen. <laughs> I don't trust anything that's <laughs> happening right now. And I think that quote uh, represents what we're trying to do here today. There's a lot of things that are misunderstood about this war. Mm. Uh, we're going to explore some of those things today. So there's something about the Vietnam War 
Yes. Um, there's something about this conflict that amongst the thousands or millions of conflicts that, that have occurred throughout the history of warfare and the history of humans, there's something about the Vietnam conflict that has captured the audiences since, since it unfolded. Yeah, Oliver Stone made a movie about it. There's Hollywood examples. Um, they're the ones that are sort of prominent in me. Uh, in Stanley mind. Kubrick made a movie about it. And through this mythology and sort of the, the Hollywood... Mel Gibson made a movie about it. Exactly. Through these movies, there is a mythology, there's myth-truths, there's truths, there's experiences. Um, and, and I think this, you know, it's a war that everyone knows about, but not many people know much about, you know yeah. what I mean? So I th that's why I wanted to sort of explore some of the, the aspects of the Vietnam War today. And I think it's, it's a, a very important conflict or a very important war because there's still a lot of Vietnam veterans still around. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's a very, very topical conflict because of the way they were treated. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, the vets are still around. They're still in the community. They're still very prominent um, members of our community. But soon, you know, they're going to disappear one day. That's my telephone. Oh, it's your phone. Yeah. Um, they're going to disappear one day and those experiences will be gone. So, you know, let's, um, let's explore this while we can. So today uh, we're going to talk about some of our, our preconceptions and our ideas about this Vietnam War before doing any sort of deeper study or analysis into it. And hopefully you can reflect on, um, on, on sort of your misunderstandings or maybe your understandings about this conflict um, in comparison to what we have come up with. So, yeah, or even our misunderstandings. Uh, highly unlikely. Yeah, because we actually understand a lot. Thoughts about Vietnam War. So, Mick, I'm going to throw to you. Yeah. Tell me what you understood about this war growing up through your education as opposed to what you understand now. Well, considering your show notes have heaps of detail and mine has zero, I might just steal what you're going to say. No, don't steal what I'm going to say. <laughs> no. Um, so the Vietnam War, I think, is probably one of the conflicts uh, that us growing up in the 80s and 90s, we were probably most aware of. Mm. World War Two, World War One had a series of... <laughs> is that your phone <laughs> That's again? That's my phone. Mick's looking at me oh so God. angrily. I'll um, put it on silent. No, I'm sorry. just, you know, I'm just sorry. get a soundboard. I'm if you sorry. want to make sounds, just get a soundboard. Okay, so silent. Anyway, um, you know, World War One, World War Two, they had uh, lots of uh, movies made about them, but the Vietnam War was that controversial war. Mm. Now, you didn't... The movies you saw about the Vietnam War were things like, you know, Born on the Fourth of July, mm -hmm. Platoon, mm -hmm. Casualties of War. Mm -hmm. um, they were about ethical problems a lot mm. of the time, about either the treatment of veterans or the soldiers' treatment of civilians or is this a war we should be fighting? Yeah. Whereas you watched a war about World War Two or World War One, it's mm. about heroism. Yeah. That's really interesting. So growing up uh, and and learning about the Vietnam War, it's a... It's a conflicted conflict, I'll say. A oh, that's a good book title. Someone read that. Hashtag, Someone use that. A conflicted conflict. A conflicted conflict. Um, but also knowing blokes that went mm. to Vietnam as well. And like, you know, my wife's grandfather was a um, section commander, infantry section commander in Vietnam. And mm. it's amazing just having a beer with him. Yeah. And relating our experiences of the wars we've participated in and then his experience in Vietnam. And... Uh, on the counterinsurgency lines and the ways, you know, fighting Taliban versus Viet Cong, he talks about a lot of parallels. Yeah. But it never hit me, even when I was in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, not many Viet Cong there. Not, well, actually, there was zero from, <laughs> uh, like, I, I checked. <laughs> but um, so it's a very interesting war. I think, you know, it also left uh, not just a scar on society in terms of the way veterans were treated. Yeah. Um, 
not just because it led to a revolution, not just because it was a real proper television war because the media had access, almost unfettered access. Yeah. Um, you know, great newsmen like Walter Cronkite being able to shape the nation's opinion. Amazing uh, soundtracks. U.S., um, amazing soundtracks. Robin Williams movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and, and, and I think it's called Good Afternoon. Good Afternoon. Nam? Nam. Thailand? Thailand. I don't know. Anyway, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, He's hilarious. He dresses a woman in it. <laughs> he does everyone's housework. <laughs> he does all the housework. <laughs> Whilst running a toy factory <laughs> and telling Matt Damon everything's okay. Um, too that much. Is, that too is, much. There's literally every Robin Every Williams. ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much. Um, Oh, I miss you, Robert. And Aladdin. Um, Rest in peace. But, yeah, so the Vietnam War, I think, was probably the war um, to try and grapple with when we were growing up, and even though it was not our generation that went through it. I really like, out of all the stuff you just said, Everything. what I really like was, um, you're right, when we, when we think about World War Two, yeah. you know, I'm thinking, like, and for me, war... It's very much about what what I sort of grew up with, which watching movies yeah. and television shows. The Vietnam War, I mean, I'm sorry, World War Two. You got movies like Patton, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and movies where it's like you know, where eagles dare, where yeah, pointing into the direction of the enemy and these heroic battles. And it was gruesome and it was tough, but it was always yeah, you know, a bridge trying. too far. Yeah. And then you've got you know, for me, what, what did I know about the Vietnam War? It's from movies like Platoon, from movies like Apocalypse Now, from movies yeah. like Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, they're not great movies. They're not. I mean, they're great movies, but they're no, not movies. Brilliant you're movies, gonna, but you don't walk see. away. You don't walk away going, "I feel really." Happy. Yeah, yeah. You're not like, "All oh, right, that's you know, that's that's war. That's you know, a great thing." You're like, "Wow, war is really a terrible thing." And yeah. and, and they're asking the questions: Why are we there? What are we yeah. doing there? War crimes, et cetera, et cetera. So, my sort of background in it, um, I sort of like what you're talking about, and I can kind of relate with a lot of it. I, I think about Vietnam War. I think about jungle fighting you know what i mean in yeah. that jungle i think about the enemy were not a regular enemy the enemy were Viet Cong, vc um you know i think about american massive uses of firepower and i think about this grand uh strategic attempt to do counterinsurgency that ultimately americans failed at yeah well, we failed too and we failed out as well yeah but those four points are just the tip of the iceberg and yeah. in many ways they they do not represent the vietnam war but i think you know, just based off watching movies and pop culture and understanding uh, of that sort of societal aspects of this war, that's what a lot of people think. You know, it's, it's as simplified as a counterinsurgency that happened in the jungle against VC in which they try to apply a sledgehammer to break a walnut that is American firepower. Yeah, and just on another note, I really want to watch movies now. <laughs> like, I want to watch them all. You want to watch every movie? Every movie, right now. Okay, so... That's that's the sort of background of what we want to talk about yeah. today, and sort of what's the what's the sort of reality of the Vietnam War. And we're just going to touch the wave tops as we do, uh, and talk about it in sort of a light manner. Uh, and you know, we, we'll go deeper in uh, in some future episodes. But I think it's important to get the context of how this war started. Yeah, that's right. If I was to, you know, if you were to watch every movie out there about Vietnam um, and, and the fighting that happened, and I I think I, I have, if you'd ask yourself. How did this war start in the first place? I think you'd struggle to really answer that question. And I think that's part of the sort of politics that went into the, the this war is that Americans were fighting in Asia against this enemy that had nothing to do with the security of America. Kind of like World War II, but, you know, the other countries weren't a threat. Yeah. Why were they there? What were they doing? What was the cause of this conflict? I mean, was this something that you were aware of growing up as a kid or when you started studying history? No, I understood it fully. You understood every dynamic of it fully? No, um... 
it's very interesting because I know that one of the th- one of the things that I had struggled um, to understand about the Vietnam War was yeah. when I was quite young. Yeah, was the domino theory uh, of communism taking over South Southeast Asia. Okay, let's get to the domino theory. Yeah, um, it's, it's a road to get there. And what I loved about studying history in the light and easy manner that I do look at history um, is that everything is linked. And I suppose when you're talking about the Vietnam conflict, you're tracing it all the way back to World War Two. And you're talking yeah. about Japanese occupation of yeah. Asia. Um, you're talking about Germany taking over France. France getting rid of all its uh, what's what I'm looking for colonies. Colonies. I'm going to say divesting its colonies, but they didn't really do that because they tried to come back in, didn't they? Yeah. They had to leave their colonies to defend the homeland, France. Mm. Um, one of their colonies was Indochina. Oh, I was going. I was just going to pluck a random one, but we'll go with Indochina. Okay, Indochina. Um, the Japanese occupied, uh, and then you sort of got this development of this uh, conflict that was the North. Uh, sorry, once the Japanese were finished, then you got this development of this conflict, which was the North, which were being supported more by China, China. by communism, yeah. uh, and then the South being supported more by America. And then yep. what you have is this conflict that came from the end of World War II that was a post-colonial conflict, and then dropping of the colony, and then now enshrouded, is that a word? That'll do. Uh, in this Cold War conflict that would develop. Yeah, yeah. And then you have North and South Vietnam. Yeah, Which, I don't think in trout is the right word, but I just want to word. with it. It's a word. It's, it's a word. It's Vietnamese. Not it's Vietnamese it's, for war. Yes. So that's the background. And to me, it, it's phenomenal that you can trace this conflict, which is, you know, I think Full Metal Jacket, I think Platoon, I think Apocalypse mm. Now. You can link that to World War II. Like we could what happened to World link War II. Link it to the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. How so? Yeah. Link so it if, in one sentence. Ho Chi Minh studied in Moscow during the 20s and 30s. That was, a, that was one sentence. I'll give you that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, he did that. That's a really poor sentence to explain <laughs> the entire Vietnam War. But, you know, you, like, like the linkages, and that's what you're saying about history. The, the, the yeah. really interesting thing is when you start getting into history, and this is the problem with reading history books, yeah. is no history book finishes and leaves you happy and you exactly. go, oh, I don't need exactly. to read anything more. Exactly. It, it, it suggests another 50 million books you can find to read on some really interesting Links. I was exactly. going to say tendrils, but we've already used entrouded. And, you know, I read a book about Vietnam and it was talking about how Vietnam has been fighting an insurgency for centuries. Yeah. You know, they're fighting against Chinese occupation, then Japanese occupation, yeah. then French occupation, then American occupation. You know, it's something yeah. that has been happening in Vietnam, uh, you know, ever since its existence. And so you, you think about Vietnam and people are talking about, oh, well, study what happened to France in Vietnam as opposed to what studied in America had happened to Vietnam. And you, you, it's the kind of the, the same tale, but really it's two completely different tales. Yeah. French were there as a colony. The colony is there for a certain purpose, the empire of the French, whereas America was not there for any colony whatsoever. They're nope. there fighting a cold war against for democracy, communism, man. against domino theory. So you were going to say something about domino theory before. Uh, yeah, I was also going to make the point that um, it wasn't until this year, like, I understood it, but no one had, Put it pretty clear. And when was, you say domino theory, immediately are YouTube videos of pizza. dominoes, no, no, knocking down oh, you know, heaps of dominoes that make patterns and stuff. We don't have time to do that now, but that's awesome. Um, You're welcome. Now I've got to sing that song. Um, <laughs> no, no, but think of World War Two. You think of Japanese occupation of Vietnam. Yeah. For the Vietnamese. Yeah. The war. Yep. World War II didn't finish at least until 1975. Yeah. Because they were still fighting it until 1975. Yeah. It was just a different occupying power. Yeah. And then you think up and they still fought China, with China 
1979, but that was more of a border war. It wasn't about the unification. So 1975 is basically when World War II and, and its repercussions mm. in terms of hot conflict, mm. not in terms of social and cultural issues, mm. which is still ongoing, but in terms of a hot conflict, mm. finished in 1975. You know, when you, I, I love it when you, you have ideas like this. If you want to ask a question like, hey, when did that war start? Yeah. You've got to ask, for who? Yeah. Because it's not for everyone that's to right. on the same day. That's right. When did that war end? For who? Because yeah. for America, it, it finished before 1975. Yeah. For... Like like the... um. You know, you talk about uh, the guy that wrote the book, uh, We Were Soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Hudson Young. And they made the movie about it. How more? Yeah, how more? Um, you know, the battalions he was fighting against, like yeah. he, he, he trained guys and, you know, some of them um, come out of career and all that sort of stuff. But he's taking a lot of fresh soldiers yeah, yeah. over there. Yeah. And he was up against battalions that had been fighting, had officers that had been fighting for 20 years or once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're sitting there going, uh, look at the, the organisational... Um, depth of the two organisations. Yeah. Anyway, uh, domino theory. So domino theory is a theory that if one communist nation uh, in a region, um, one country becomes a communist in a region, uh, and this is based on the the communist idea that came out of Russia and also China, the, the idea of um, whether or not the aim was to spread the communist revolution globally or yeah. to shore up domestic communism. Yeah. First, and then slowly build satellite states. Uh, and Stalin was of a satellite state mentality. Uh, Trotsky, who he had murdered in Mexico, um, was of a spread it around kind of mentality. So the problem was the West feared the spread it around kind of mentality. Uh, and, and it's easy for us to look back at that now and be like, why do they even believe that? Like, yeah, but look at Cuba. Like, why do they believe that? But, you know, back then, and it, it, it was a real yeah. threat. Che Guevara was actively going around failing in lots of countries trying to start revolutions. Like, it was not, it was not something that was, you know, people look at the domino theory and go, oh, it would never have happened. Yeah. But they were trying to make it happen. But the thing is, like, you were talking, um, I listened to your podcast when you talked to the guys from the Angola border war. Yeah. Um, and what shocked me about that conflict, <laughs> yeah. you, you're laughing because I said Angola last time. No, 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 no. I'm just laughing. I'm, I'm laughing because I know where you're going and I found it shocking as well. What shocked me was they were fighting Cubans. <laughs> That's true. They were fighting Cubans. South African army was fighting Cubans. In West Africa. In West, Southwest Africa. Southwest Africa. Which is pretty far from Cuba. Do you know why they were there? Because they were Cubans. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, that, that's, that's it. You know, this domino theory was reality. And yeah. you had countries like Cuba, who were a small communist nation that yeah. fed back into Russia, fighting in, in West Africa. <laughs> that's right. The dominoes are falling. Like, that's right. It's happening. Like, they were sending Che Guevara to Congo, to Bolivia. Oh, it's And incredible. like, he kept stuffing up, just it's trying incredible. to start these little revolutions. So the idea that it could happen in Southeast Asia, where China had achieved a communist state, yeah. we look at it and we go, well, it's far-fetched. Why? Because it didn't happen. But... It didn't happen because measures were taken. Yeah, it, look, it, it's easy to look back and laugh at it, but it, it was a reality. I'm not time. laughing at all the death and destruction, just so people know. So that's the background of why the conflict happened there and just a, a tip of the iceberg of why the fighting there occurred. Yeah. Now, what I wanted to move on to was to talk about the, the character of the Vietnam War. Ooh. So if, if I'm saying the character of the Vietnam War and you, you're not really understanding what that means, go back and listen to our episode on character and nature of war. Yeah, I'll I, find out the number while I you I think we recorded talking. it in a car. <laughs> uh, oh, was that the one we recorded in a car? I think you were in a Could car. Have been. 
Um, and uh, But what's, what is the character of this war? Now, if I was to tell you what I would describe the character of this war, I can't get the scene um, out of my head from Platoon of a young Charlie Sheen patrolling through the jungle, sweating. Episode 8, character of war. Struggling. Um, and then a Willem Dafoe, his squad commander, comes up and, and says, I'll, you know, I'll hump some of the, the, your books for you. That's an infantry term. Don't look at me like that. Yeah. Um, this is a small studio so with this lots is, of books. So this is the scene when I was to say, what, what's the character of the war? I would say to you, well, it's jungle fighting. Um, it's the small infantry squads out there in the jungle fighting VC who were yeah. wearing black, who were non-traditional in their tactics and, and, and all that sorts of stuff. And it's very hard because they flee, they yeah. become part of the enemy. It's a complete counterinsurgency situation. Yeah. Um, that's not right. No. I don't even, think that's even, right at all. Even the Australian experience and the Australian idea is, you know, the odd angry shot, uh, that great comedy with um, the king of television, Graham Kennedy in it. People look at it and they're like, okay, it's just small SAS patrols kicking yeah, around exactly. in the jungle. Exactly. But you actually look at battles like Battle of Coral Bow Moral, yeah. where you've got an infantry battalion yep. just being swarmed by an NVA yes. regiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 so that, and, that, and that's what you're talking about now. So, so it is true. Small squads were out there in the jungle yep. fighting VC, but where a lot of other conflict happened, in fact, was units, yep. Australian units, American units fighting a state-on-state conflict, fighting the North Vietnamese who were coming over the border and fighting them. So continue on with your Corbin Moral story. I finished it when I said the battalion (laughs) being swarmed by... But um, but I think one of the issues is is a lot of people in Australia think that, you know, even even the Battle of Long Tan, um, it's probably one of our most famous battles from Vietnam, if not the most famous. Um, You know, you've got a company there against an infantry, um, uh, against North Vietnamese battalion. or maybe it was you know, a full regiment, um, but the defence there, and people go, oh, you know that that's held up because it was, you know, it was strong conventional operations. It's not what people normally think of when they think of Vietnam. No. But Harry Smith, Harry Smith wasn't patrolling with just a couple of his fellas. No. He took his full company out in yeah. force into that plantation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's conventional warfare. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there's jungle warfare in this small yeah. squads, and, and it's then there's mechanized warfare. Absolutely, you know, that's how they got out of there with the uh, the cavalry. So I've been reading about um, I've been reading about the Marines operating in the north of South Vietnam, like Kaesan, like Kaesan, yeah, um, and further north at Contien, okay. uh, which is fascinating. I don't know much about Contien. So Contien, so. For folks that aren't familiar with with Vietnam conflict, South Vietnam, North Vietnam, there's a demarcation, demilitarized zone, excuse me, yeah. DMZ, and as you can imagine, a lot of fighting occurred yeah. around the DMZ. So these Marines at Contien were two miles south of the DMZ, okay, on the DMZ basically, and they're fighting, surprise, surprise, constant NVA yeah. <laughs> troops over and over again, and they were within the range of every NVA gun yeah. in the world, and they're told. Hold this position, and they just it just rained on them constantly. So it's yeah. so t- and, and they were so, literally on the ground holding on to the it, position. And so as you said, you know there was a, a CBS news presenter that went yeah. there, and and you know oh, some of the quotes were amazing. You know one of them, one of the mar- uh, Marines is just like, um, you, you just you, you just you're just lucky. You know it's not about skill, it's not about survival. It is just about luck because we're just getting constantly shelled by NVA artillery. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's constant NVA battalions attacking it. Yeah. And for what purpose are they holding? This one base, yeah. that, that's, you know, another whole episode itself. But I like the point you brought up. That's not what you think about when you think about no, Vietnam You think war. about small insurgents on bicycles or yeah. deep tunnels. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, I read into one of the battles that they did from Contien. It wasn't a battle. It was an operation. And they did six battalions. So they wanted to go into the DMZ. First time they were allowed to go in the DMZ. They wanted to go in 
and knock out the NBA temporarily. They knew they couldn't yeah. beat them all. They knew just one that, punch. Yeah, just just it was just like just a hit, not to take them out forever, but just take them out temporarily. And I was like, okay, so this is going to be a fairly simple operation. They're going to just walk north, yeah, right. <laughs> shoot NBA, and leave. These guys like. Two battalions were going to sweep to the north. One battalion was going to insert to be a cutoff. One battalion did an amphibious lodgement up the river. One battalion yeah. did an AMO from a ship. Ships were doing naval gunfire. It was amazing. Amazing. AMOs are air mobile operation. Sorry. But what, what I highlighted Using to me, I was like, this is a conventional state state conflict. This yeah. is not fighting VC. This is not an untrained enemy. It's not random yep. guys and girls grabbing machine gun because you know because their parents got killed. That you know the, the story of kill one insurgent make five. Yeah. This is a trained army and defense force to fight against, which I think is is often lost on people. It needs to be understood. Um, also, it hints at this type of fighting a little bit in Full Metal Jacket from memory. I want to go back and watch it, but urban fighting. Oh, wait. Can I just say one William Defoe joke? Yeah. What's better than William Defoe? What? William Defriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, keep going. He never, he's never heard that. The urban fighting. Are you talking about, uh, are you going to talk about Huey? I want to talk about Huey, which when I first read it, I was calling it <laughs> you. You. <laughs> And everyone said, you're an idiot. You know, when I read about Huawei, yeah. I just, in my head, just call it Hugh to make my reading not slow down. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about the Tet Offensive. Cool. So the Tet Offensive, um, basically what happened was the fighting started, American forces started coming into Vietnam in 1965. Um, it was a slow buildup. More and more and more and more troops started coming in. Uh, they were training the South Vietnamese forces. And then something crazy happened. They were winning. Um, they were winning at pacification. They were winning yeah. at defeating NBA that crossed the border. They were winning at defeating these Viet Cong and the, the South Vietnamese forces were getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. Politics never got there. So the command structure in Hanoi wanted to knock them off balance. Did you, did you say Hanoi? Hanoi? Hanoi. 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 You're the Hanoi. Vietnam expert. Hanoi. I'm not an expert. No. You're the Dong Dong. <laughs> <laughs> um... So they launched the Tet Offensive. What do you know about the Tet Offensive? Uh, it was a holy beep moment. <laughs> yeah. So basically, instead of just chipping away at the iceberg, they were going to hit every part of the iceberg at once. Yeah. And think places like Kontian and places like Kaysan, I yeah. don't think got hit that hard. No, no, no. It was they in the south. Tet in, was mainly in the into south. The south. It? And it was Chinese New Year, is that Tet? Uh, something New Year. It was, yeah. a, it was like a, like a it, festival or something. Yeah, it? it was yeah. a celebrated time of peace. Yeah, and they're like, we're going to hit now. We're going to hit the urban centers. Um, you know, the American embassy. There's an infamous story about a 12 man. They call them Sapper Squad. That yeah. infiltrated the American embassy, blew a hole in the wall, and like yeah. got killed in the corridor. So for combat engineers out there, these these, these Sapper Squads are kind of like assault pioneers combined with combat engineers combined with. Recon infantry, yeah. like yeah, yeah. special trained forces, specially trained combat engineers to go in. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and and then so, but the point is that again, we're not talking about jungle fighting. We're no. talking about street. Yeah. It, when I when I was reading the accounts of Tet Offensive, especially in Huawei, yeah, it was like I was reading Stalingrad. Well, you mate, when I, mean? I watched Full Metal Jacket, I remember watching it, just going, "Why the hell are they in a city? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's the jungle? <laughs> or even Good Morning Vietnam? Why are people blowing up around the city? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a part of the war that. I don't think many people think about. They yeah. just think about that jungle aspect I think about of it. Jungle. I think about tunnels. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to the war continues on. Fast forward to 72, I think it is. And then they have the Easter Offensives. Yep. Also known as Tet with Tanks. Tet with Tanks. <laughs> Tet with Tanks. So it's attacking everywhere, except yeah, it is awesome. like NVA, 
with armor yeah. coming in. This is no longer, you know, they, most people say by by the end of six days, so by the end of the Tet Offensive, the VC are basically gone. Well, that's the problem with the Tet Offensive on the Vietnamese side. They um, On the North Vietnamese side. Yeah, North Vietnamese side. But in the, you know, the, the VC side in yeah. the South, yeah. Tet, they wiped themselves out in they did. Tet. They did. They um, did. You, know, yeah. you read the accounts of what the Communist Party wanted to achieve in Tet. They wanted to annihilate the Americans, annihilate the South Vietnamese, force them into yeah. capitulation, and then unify the country. Um, they didn't achieve that. <laughs> and what they did succeed in, and it says in their reports, uh, we held Hue for 25 days. That's that's That was their claim to success. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, so, when you look at the firepower they were holding against, yeah, quite amazing. pretty impressive. Now, we would say... They lost, yeah. But if you, you know, in retrospect now, Tet, VC wiped out. You know, way more North Vietnamese killed than South Vietnamese and Americans. But if you look at it back now, it was a success. Yeah, a success for North Vietnam. Yeah. Why was it a success? Because you know, just weeks earlier, Westmoreland. Why was it a success? Why was it a success? <laughs> just weeks earlier, Westmoreland was in front of the camera saying, "Everything's good. Everything's yeah. going well. We're winning yeah. this war. Everything's going fine." Yeah. And then I think there was like two hundred journalists. Yeah. in Vietnam at the time, and every single one of them was reporting, American embassy's gone down. There's yeah. VC everywhere. Yeah. All the cities are taken over by VC. Like, there's yeah. enemy everywhere, and this is hitting the media, and then suddenly Americans are like, this? the hell are we doing in Vietnam? Yeah. Why are we losing? Well, Can we just send half a million guys there? So I think retrospectively, it, it, it was actually a win yeah, for the North was- Vietnamese. 68, I think. Uh, I should Google it, but I won't. I'll just give people facts and they have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 68 was the start of the Flower Power Revolution. So 68 was the Flower Power Revolution. I think 79 was the Punk Revolution. Absolutely. And, and so you're hitting an, another part. There's the social aspects in America as well. There's the the, yeah, the, the Flower Power Revolution, the hippies, yeah, um, all that sort of Tet stuff. Yeah, and was a large part of that because Tet being beamed back to America. Yeah. Was supporting it. Yeah, the protest in 1968, uh, which is known now as, you know, the... the Power Absolutely, and that's why you think about Vietnam, and to me, I think about Vietnam, and I think amazing soundtrack. And I know that sounds a bit disrespectful, yeah. but the music from this period. There's a, good, a... there's a good book called "We Got to Get Out of This Place," which is yeah. obviously one of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a book on the soundtracks of Vietnam and how it Absolutely. makes people feel. And I think there's something to be said there. Not only just the times and the music is still popular now, but it, it's a war that involves so much society. It, yeah. You know, the societal aspects that you talked about. You yeah. think, I hear a song now and I think about... Vietnam. Vietnam. I think about Huey. I think about this. Yeah. And, you know, well, think of Australia. Like Australia's probably most famous Vietnam song is about Khaesan where there were no Australians. <laughs> Australians. I, know, um, I know. And one of the uh, other famous songs uh, by the band Red Gum, they do I Was Only 19, which is yeah. a very, very good um, one as well. Yeah. But when they do a cover version of uh, the cultures of song Khaesan, they changed the lyrics to Long Tan. Did they? Yeah, so I went and saw them last wow. year. I think it was last year I saw them in South Australia. Interesting. And they, um, not that I like South Australia, um, but a uh, little bit of bigotry there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they say, we changed the song lyrics to Long Tan so that we can relate well, it to it Australians. An Australian and song. I was like, you know what? It's probably only Vietnam veterans and current serving, uh, military historians and current serving personnel that would even know we weren't in Khaesan. Guarantee you. You ask 10 people... How much fighting we do in Khaesan? They'll they'll either say a lot or they'll just start singing the song. Yeah, you know that's, that's right. So, <laughs> take their shirt. Oh yeah, I've, oh man, oh, I, I can hear it now. So look, there's so much that we can talk about this for, and it's probably yeah. a good topic that we can come back to. How yeah. did America go into it in the first place? Um, there's a great book out there. 
anyone that's doing high level studies on military strategy, read H.R. McMaster's Dereliction of Duty is all about how yeah. America got involved in the war in the first place. I haven't got into that one yet. Uh, I it, should probably get him on the show, hey? It, it will, oh, yeah, he's probably a bit busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was going to come on the Dead Prussian last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we were lining it up and then he got a job for some rich bloke. Some guy yeah. on a golf course. Yeah. But no, it, it's, a, it's a great book that talks about, you know, the very beginning of why and how America got into this and, you know, it's in the title, Dereliction of Duty, where the Joint Chief of Staffs and, and McNamara, who's the Secretary of Defense, maybe didn't yeah. do their job properly. And, and for those people that aren't tracking in the book, he talks about the Dereliction of Duty is uh, targeting um, mostly the civilian uh, leadership, National Security exactly. Advisor. And, exactly. and H.R. McMaster, who wrote it, is now the National Security Advisor. So it's kind of one of those instances where if you criticize something, Absolutely. someone hands the job to you and says, do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wrote it. Yeah, there's a PhD as a major. Yeah. Super impressive. My um, struggle writing essays. As um, so there's that topic about how we got yeah. involved in the war, how Australia and, and you know four other nations got involved with America. Yeah. Britain wasn't there. Canada wasn't there. Was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? Was it a good yeah. thing, bad thing that we New joined? New Zealand in? was there. New Zealand was there. Thailand was there. Yeah. South Korea was there. Like yeah. South Korea. You know, and South Korea was the biggest contributor outside of America, which I did not know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I learned that this year. Yeah, and um, there's so many things to talk about. And then, I mean, what happened at the end of the war is absolutely fascinating as yeah. well. Um, Willem Dafoe dies, uh, basically. Pretty Ooh, awkward. awkward. <laughs> no, 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 but um, you know, the, Michael J. Fox takes on his entire platoon. How the war becomes so politicized, the American extraction from the war, and then how eventually unification happens and North Korea wins and it becomes the state it is today. Is yeah, North Vietnam what wins. Did I say North Korea? Yeah, North Korea has I a lot. I'm so confused. Oh my God. I'm seeing into the future. <laughs> I'm seeing into the future. It's not good. Um, uh, North Vietnam win. It's an interesting story and, you know, some of the hashtags from it is America abandoned South Vietnam, you know, and that's, yeah. a, that's a whole another topic to talk about in itself. So the war that keeps on giving by way of intellectual debate and intellectual yeah. stimulation. There's heaps of books out there. And look, I know lots of our listeners like what some of our academic friends would call pop history or not good history, but there's also yeah. good writers out there who can spin a yarn and give decent history. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I know that the guy who wrote Black Hawk Down, Mark Bowden, has yeah. just released a book on Huawei. It's called Huawei 68, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try and get my head into that absolutely. one. Absolutely. Another book I found absolutely fascinating on Vietnam, I read this when we were going through training as cadets, is called Chicken Hawk. And it's about a Huey pilot in Vietnam. Mm. And it is just a different take yeah. on Vietnam because Vietnam's known as the helicopter war because yeah, they had helicopters yeah, yeah. in career, uh, but they weren't uh, operationalized the same sort of way. Um, as the same sort of way. 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 Got it. <laughs> why do you make me do this? All right. Uh, that's what I've probably got on that, Rich. Look. Anyway, but we will get back into Vietnam. We might even do some case studies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's a conflicted conflict. I really like that. That's very Conflicted conflict. That's very impressive. Oh, okay. So, look, we hope you enjoyed what we had to say about Vietnam today. We hope yeah, that we you definitely don't hope you don't enjoy this. We show. hope that you um, agree with us. We also hope you don't agree with us, and we hope that you will hit us up on social media yeah. and uh, get the debate started. This is what it is all about. Yep. Hashtag so, conflicted conflict. You've now got two hundred and eighty characters on. Oh yeah, what's Twitter? the deal with that? Oh, Why mate, so many. I I don't know, but I'm driving some people nuts. It's hilarious. <laughs> so you can um, hit us up on Twitter at at 
War for Idiots, numeral four, that is. Yep. Um, you can engage with me. I am at Richie underscore T T T. Mick, where are you at? I'm at Mick Cook underscore. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> Yeah. I'm at Mick underscore Cook. <laughs> there you go. With the amount that I tweet myself, you think <laughs> oh, I would know that, hey? Um, buy merchandise. Someone will one day. Yeah, someone will one day. Just remember, it's really, really conveniently priced for us. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, come join the conversation. It's all about getting that started and uh, talking about what it is. It is this crazy thing that is warfare. Yeah. Any final words, Mick? Uh, no, apart from the sign-off, we've still got to do that. Oh, yeah, you can do that. That'll be So this is Rich. And this is Mick. And we are are signing off until next time. Remember, we may be idiots. But so are you. Goodbye. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during War for Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license.